You're listening to the Fertility Docs Uncensored Podcast, featuring insight on all things fertility from some of the top-rated doctors around America. Whether you're struggling to conceive or just planning for your future family, we're here to guide you every step of the way. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Susan Hudson. We are together again for another episode of Fertility Docs Uncensored. I am joined with my co-host, Dr. Carrie Bedient from Fertility Center of Las Vegas. Hello. And Dr. Abby Eblen from Nashville Fertility Center. Hey, everybody. How have all y'all been doing? Excellent. Hanging in there. It's a beautiful day in Nashville. Very good. Yeah, it's pretty in Vegas too. Like it's it's just the last day of kind of cool before the beastly hot hits. So we're beastly okay. hot has already hit Texas. It's we, terrible. We had really really low humidity lately, which is just I feel like I'm living in what they describe as San Diego weather or something. It's been great, but I'm I'm sure the the heat and humidity will hit soon again. <laughs> it will. So I wanted to share with you guys. I just got a new mattress, and I'm so excited because this is like you know one of those once in a decade events. Okay, Susan, you know you're getting old when you get excited uh-huh. about a mattress. <laughs> I was just thinking the exact same thing. You know you're an adult when yes. You get a, ma- a, a mattress or a vacuum cleaner. Those are adult moments. That's true. That's true. I know. I, I decided to get a purple this time. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm a little nervous because it's all that like funky, like latex, plasticky, rubbery stuff with, but it has quills and I don't know, but I'm hoping for excellent sleep. I don't know what a purple mattress is. Like I'm imagining a giant purple, like brightly colored eggplant purple mattress in the middle of your room. So purple is the name. Okay. It does have a little purple on the mattress, but it doesn't. But it's one of those, it's kind of like that theory of the mattress in a box thing. It actually came in like this tube when they Uh brought it to my house and they take it out of the tube and it like opens all up and it like puts air in itself and so did you have to do it yourself or like people come and put it up i had people come and put it up oh okay well that yeah yeah, that's what i would do too i would know how to do it (laughs) mainly mainly because i wanted the other mattress to exit my home immediately (laughs) Mm -hmm. because what do you do with an old mattress what 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 can you do i mean you can't put it out on the street the trash people aren't going to take it Uh uh-uh no so how did you, how do you get a mattress? Like, did you get it online? Is that how you got it? Well, you can order online. Um, we actually, it, it's one of those things that like, I've been wanting it for like a couple of years and um, randomly one day when... Um, it's kind of sad kind of, almost. No, I'm just kidding. I know it is kind of sad. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but it was um, when COVID like first happened but restaurants were like, everything was getting, you could go pick up things to go, but no one was going anywhere. That was, well, your, that was your moment to order the purple mattress. That was my moment to order the purple <laughs> mattress because we were running ahead of time to pick up our to-go food. And the mattress store, because that's an essential business, who knew? Yeah. Uh-huh. Open. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no one in the mattress store and we can go kill 30 minutes. Well, 30 minutes in, ended up purchasing a mattress, but I needed it. it. It was it was way overdue. Did you lay on the mattress? I did not lay on the mattress because I had already decided two years ago that I wanted this mattress. Oh, okay. So I didn't have to like test anything out. Um, it was more like 
taking the dive for the transaction. Believe it or not, my husband and I have also sort of recently talked about purchasing a mattress. In the, and I was like, but how would we try it out in COVID-19? Would we bring like our own towel to lay on? And <laughs> plus, it's just, I think it's just hard to lay on a mattress for two minutes and go, okay, this is the one, you know? Yeah. We made a mistake once and I don't want to make a mistake again. So the last time I bought a mattress was actually for my kiddo. And we were switching from the crib mattress to the big mattress. And I go and I get the, I I mail ordered it because he's three. So he has no preferences and he weighs as much as a beanbag. And so he doesn't care anyway. And so I got it and it came in a, you know, a long skinny bag and it's the same deal. You open it and it inflates itself. And so for a while there before his actual bed frame got here, we had the big mattress on the floor because I got him in an adult size bed and we had the crib mattress on the floor. And where did my son sleep? He slept on the floor floor in between them. Was it because he was in a little cave? No, it's because he's a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's where, I mean, he still sleeps to to this day. It doesn't matter. It's not the mattress. It's not the crib. He preferentially sleeps on the floor, on the couch, with his parents, with his, you know, just anywhere else, in the dog's bed, wherever else he can sleep. (laughs) So you shouldn't have even bought a mattress then. You should have just like gotten like a plot piece of plywood and laid it in the, the bed and he would have slept on it, it sounds like. Uh, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. It would have gotten the same use. Totally the same use. So Susan, you've not slept on your purple mattress yet. Is that right? I have not. I'm actually sitting on my purple mattress recording <laughs> this right now. Because <laughs> that's the closest I'm going to come for about another, you know, nine hours. <laughs> you know, I think we need to have an update about the purple mattress, how it's really performed for you and if you really like it or not. Mm-hmm. I, I, my own personal experience was I got a mattress that was a really nice mattress and it felt great. And it's just, it's really just too soft as a bottom line. But once you've invested a ton of money in a mattress, you're like, okay, we don't want to, we can't give it back now, you know? So another couple of years. Like it has like a hundred and twenty, either 90 or 120 day guarantee. So I'm, I'm, I really think what I need to do is put on my calendar, like 10 days before that you know, guarantee deadline because yeah. otherwise, you know, my mind will be another place. But how do you put that in a mail in in an envelope and back? return yeah. it? Like, how do you take the air out and suck it in and go and then put it back in the mailbox? That's part of the reason I went to the mattress store instead of ordering it online because mm. I can go to the mattress store and say, I don't like it. You come get uh, it. And so then smart. I get to get something else because I've had my... My brother-in-law actually had bought a mattress in a box that was supposed to be like returnable, but they're like almost impossible to return. Mm. And then the the caveat is on a lot of these stores that you can't, if you can't return it, you t- can donate it. The problem is you can't donate a used mattress anywhere. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. It, 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 and so it's one of those, like, I, I was trying to avoid the Exactly. I don't like it. Now I'm stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have one last question. I really had no idea that I had so many questions about mattresses, but so you both said <laughs> something about rolling out your mattress and it just blows itself up. Is it like mostly air or I don't get vacuum packed when they seal mm-hmm. it, they roll it up tightly and then they vacuum pack it. So as soon as you cut the vacuum seal, all the air goes whooshing in and it goes and it plumps up. And it's just like a regular mattress when it plumps up? Uh-huh. That is yeah. bizarre. Wow, that is weird. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the most amazing use of suction since 
I don't know, since the last most amazing use of suction. Okay. Uh, somebody we, more we, clever we, than I would would we, have known. We won't go there, Carrie. It is a fertility on that note. uncensored, but we're, we're going to move on after this. <laughs> we're not quite that uncensored, apparently. <laughs> okay, our, so, our guest is giggling right now. So I was going to say, why is it always me? That, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's why we have you, Carrie. That's so right. before we hop into our question of the day, I would like to introduce our guest. Um, our guest is Melissa Guns. She is a former and going to be hopefully future again, um, patient of mine. And um, she has a very, very interesting story, which we will get into. But I wanted to introduce her first in case um, she had some input as well on our question of the day. So our question of the day um, says, I am lucky enough to have two wonderful children, but I've also had one miscarriage after an FET and two successful FETs. I'm getting ready to have gastric bypass next week, and I'm hoping that after I get to my goal weight and maintenance that we could try another FET. What are your thoughts about having an FET after gastric bypass surgery? So Carrie and Abby, what are your thoughts? I think it's a great thing. I think it depends a little bit on the amount of weight you have to lose because, you know, in reality, um, if you have to lose a lot of weight and, and generally in our practice, and I'd be interested to see what you guys do in your practice, we set kind of the bar at a BMI of 37 for patients. Um, and we just feel like that's a safety thing. It's not punitive. We're not trying to make people feel bad about their weight, but we just feel like from a, from the standpoint of safety, we can see better if someone has a BMI 37 or less. And so, you know, sometimes when I see patients who are maybe 100 pounds overweight, you know, it's not to say that you can't do that by, you know, diet and exercise and all that. But I think when you get into really, really excessive amounts of weight that need to be lost, I think gastric bypass can be a good option. And um, patients lose weight quickly. You have to wait about a year, though, generally speaking, before you can get pregnant. So that's one of the downsides to gastric bypass. What are your thoughts, Carrie? So we've got a, a similar requirement. Our BMI is a little bit higher. It's about 40, but it's for the same reasons. It's safety when you're going to do a retrieval, particularly because most IVF centers are in outpatient surgery centers. The the concern is that you don't have the same kind of backup. And so you don't want to get into trouble in an outpatient center. And and you are more likely to get into trouble when your visibility is poor and your airway is a little bit more difficult to manage. And so with gastric bypass, it it does help people who have a higher number of pounds to lose, lose them. Um, it is a long-term weight loss solution, but it does require a lot of commitment from all angles, you know, not not just the patient, but the the docs, the nutritionists, and everybody working with them. Um, you do have to wait for the weight to stabilize. So we make sure that our patients have a clean bill of health from their surgeon and dietitian as well, because we want to make sure that that weight has stabilized and they're not acidotic, like in metabolic acidosis as they're going through it or ketosis, because that's not a particularly helpful growing environment for for a brand new fetus. Um, but, but it, it can be a very helpful solution. Yeah. I think, I think gastric bypass is one of a number of different solutions for, for weight loss. And, um, some people need to have a surgical option. Not everyone does. Um, Melissa did not choose a surgical option. She, she did it a different way. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that, but, um, you know, I think 
we have a little bit more generous of a cutoff for our, our BMI of our patients. Um, we currently have 45, but it's for the same reasons. It's, it's safety, being able to see, you know, we're, especially for egg retrievals, we're, we're very close to some very important blood vessels that we really want to avoid and we need to have good visualization. And you guys, you're in a hospital, the airway. hospital setting too, Susan. You, you so, do. We, we are actually in an outpatient, we are affiliated with a hospital. We're across the street from a hospital, but gotcha. we are actually in a surgical center. Um, but the suite that we are in, I mean, has like a full anesthesia machine and um, it's as close to being in a hospital as you can get without actually being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, um, we, have, we have that as, you know, our policy and that type of thing. And, and there's very good data to say that having that extra weight can definitely contribute to you know, not getting pregnant, having those recurrent losses and, and it having a, a big impact. And, and, you know, when you, you go into your doctor and you're, you're having that conversation, which is never an easy conversation to have. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an important one because the, the health and safety of both mother and baby are, are always kind of foremost in our minds. Um, so I'm going to kind of um, let Melissa tell us a little bit about her story. Um, Melissa, do you remember the first day we met? I do. And I remember the, one of the first things we talked about with that. So when I started seeing Dr. Hudson, I was, I want to say 250 pounds at the time. And I had just seen another reproductive endocrinologist earlier in the week. And they told me they wouldn't even talk to me unless I had gastric bypass. And at that time, I did not want that as an option. So one of my first conversations with Susan was, hey, we're not going to talk about the weight issue. And Susan, being the super supportive doctor that she is, basically went, okay, we'll see what we can do. We'll, we'll keep it there as a, hey, this might be something good for your health, but we'll see what we can do. Well, five IUIs, two IVF transfers, and two very, very painful miscarriages later, Susan and I got to have a very unpleasant conversation for me. I don't know how unpleasant it was for her, but it was very unpleasant for me about, hey, um, you being as heavy as you are, because at that time I weighed 280. She said, this might be what's causing some of your miscarriages. And I went with my husband. I am lucky to have a very supportive husband. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. He really, really is. He is the best man I have ever known, and I will not listen to any arguments against him. (laughs) And I went and we had a conversation, and I said, we're not doing another IVF if we think that we're going to have another loss. And looking at all of the data that we had, we made the decision, okay, We'll try it. I did not end up doing surgical. I ended up doing something called Ideal Protein. And I started it on September 21st of 2016. And I stopped 100 pounds later 
on May 15th, 2017. And I stopped because I had plateaued. Well, we didn't know why I had plateaued. It turned out I was six weeks pregnant. Aw, what a great story. (laughs) That's awesome. Holy cow. Yeah. As it turns out, ideal protein really, really helps you be fertile. (laughs) So it it threw me off because uh, I was due for a period. And I was like, why haven't I gotten one? Because I had finally naturally had a cycle. I'm usually amenorrheic. And I had had a cycle in February. And I was like, okay, I, I should have been due twice now. I should have been due. And just on a whim, I did one of those little pee on a stick test. And it came up positive. I was like, no. So I took another one. And that one came up slightly wonky because it was an older test. But so I called them and they're like, no, if that line shows up at all, it's positive. So the next thing I did was uh, to text Kelsey, which is was at the time one of uh, Dr. Hudson's employees. And I was like, "Uh, so I just got a positive at home test. And she's like, are you close to a blood center any by any chance? (laughs) (laughs) So I went in there and... I think you, you'd you have the numbers better than I would, Susan, about uh, what my first two pregnancy tests were. I know they were like just barely considered pregnant. And this one was like, no, we're, we're up in the thousands. This is a very viable pregnancy now. So I was so like, okay. A hundred pounds in nine months is phen- like phenomenal <laughs> weight. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. How, so what what were you... What were you doing? I mean, were you eating a, a lettuce leaf with protein powder on it every day? <laughs> and then, you know, uh, working out like a mad woman every night? I mean, how, how'd you do that? No, admittedly, it felt a little at first like I was eating a lettuce leaf with protein powder on it. But it's a diet program called Ideal Protein. And they actually recommend that you do not work out when you're in the first stage of it because you are not getting... It's like super restricted. It's a ketogenic type diet. And so it's, um, but it has a lot of, it has a lot of guidance. It has like meals and foods you can purchase. So it helps make it a little bit easier and that type of thing. But there's a lot of counseling and, um, uh, what's the right word? Um, you have to, you have to check in, you have to check in a lot. Um, and, and so you have that guidance and, and it really kind of helps you keep on going. So Mel, I'm, I'm interested to know, you know, when I talk to patients sometimes about weight loss, and by the way, it's a really uncomfortable conversation for Marion too, you know, it's, you hate to have to have that conversation, but I always say, you know, if as your doctor, I can't talk to you about it, then who can? And, you know, it, it, it's important for us to make sure that we're open with our patients and let them know that that really can make a significant difference. But, you know, a lot of times when I talk to patients, they really want to lose weight. But what was different for you when you finally made up your mind and said, okay, I'm ready to go? What, what kind of clicked in your brain? Or I guess from a, from a counseling standpoint, what could we do as physicians that would help people kind of make that final, that next step and really start trying to lose weight? So the big thing for me was actually, uh, like I said at the beginning of my little spiel, I had had two miscarriages. One was a biochemical pregnancy. From what I understand, the embryonic sac never never even formed. Mm-hmm. The second one for me was just 
heartbreaking because it was my second transfer. It should have been my first daughter. I actually have her ashes in an urn over here. I'm that's what I keep looking off camera at as I'm looking Aww. at her urn over there. And I remember bringing her remains to Dr. Hudson to confirm that that was indeed my daughter. And it wasn't that day. It was about a week later, Dr. Hudson called me for a follow-up and I came in there and I'm like, I can't go through this again. Mm -hmm. I can't. I just can't. Her words to me were, tell me anything I can do to make this not happen again. Yeah. And that was when I knew she was ready to hear what I needed to talk to her about. Because bef before that moment, you weren't, you weren't ready. It would not have mattered before that moment. I had to come to the decision that I was going to do anything to keep my pregnancy to term. Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing if it's biochemical. Yes, I was very, very sad at the loss of my son, but... This was, I called Dr. Hudson in tears because I had just started bleeding profusely. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I can't go through that again. Mm -hmm. And coming to that decision was the, I never want to go through this again. I never want to go through that kind of pain again. So Mel, what was kind of your first step? I mean, because sometimes in theory, it sounds like a great idea, but really coming up with the diet plan you're going to do and what you're going to eat and how you're going to accomplish it, kind of how did you, how did you kind of craft that? The, the little red-headed devil there, and I, yeah, I'm pulling out that. <laughs> so, so for our listeners, you don't know, but Dr. Hudson has beautiful, bright red hair. I, I never yes. described her as a devil, but so you said that, male, not us, but. Oh, no, oh, we no, believe no. it. We 100% <laughs> believe that. She, she's feisty, I would say. She is, she is feisty. <laughs> yeah, held up by the horns, girl. <laughs> But yes, the redheaded devil was like, here, you're going to go talk to Kelsey. And Kelsey was the one who had to break the news to me. So Kelsey is uh, one of Dr. Hudson's, was, was one of Dr. Hudson's employees. And she's like, so Dr. Hudson told me that you're very sort of hesitant. And she's like, please don't kill me. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> because she's like, I'm going to tell you awful things. Like you can't have caffeine. Okay, whatever. I was caffeine-free for two years at that point. You have to follow this set of things. Okay, I can do that. No onions. What? <laughs> How what? do you mean I can't have onions? <laughs> They're too high in natural sugars. I wasn't allowed onions. I wasn't allowed fruit. It was mostly protein and vegetables. And when I say mostly, I mean entirely protein and vegetables. <laughs> For nine months and every time I went in there and I'm not gonna not gonna lie every time I went in there for the first three months doing those checkups I'm like that red-headed devil I am going to have work with her <laughs> so that became the running joke to get me through it is the I'm gonna show the red-headed devil I can do this <laughs> Wow. And she did. She did and got the best presents in the world, didn't you? I did. I did. It was See, actually... she's, she's really an angel, like she said. She's a redheaded <laughs> angel. It just depends on which way she's facing for the day. <laughs> <laughs> which shoulder I have. <laughs> yeah. So afterwards, I mean, pregnancy 
weight gain versus loss in pregnancy, all bets are off because it's oh, a hormonal yeah. free-for-all and it's so uh, the water weight and afterwards and you're breastfeeding and you're not sleeping and yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's it's a zoo. How How did you approach it once you had a newborn? Did you <laughs> keep up with anything or did you just go like, um, no, I can't because you got to survive? So my OB, I actually talked to my OB about it and she was like, you can't do this and breastfeed. She's like, you got to pick one or the other. And I had made the decision early on in my pregnancy that I wanted to breastfeed if possible. So it was actually kind of funny. I had this little, so I was down to 178, 179 and I got pregnant. And right at the end of my pregnancy, I was up to 230. And then I had Alexander. And before I left the hospital, I was down below 200 again. Mm-hmm. So yay for all the water weight. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, cool. And baby weight. And baby weight too. And baby water weight. Baby weight. He was a little chonk. I didn't tell you that. So uh, he he came at 37 weeks because I was starting to develop preeclampsia. And they were going to do uh, what's it, an ECV. They were going to try mm-hmm. to turn him because he was still transverse. Oh. And, when they did the ultrasound on him, they're like, he's got a cord wrap. I'm sorry. You get a C-section. Have fun. So, <laughs> Healthy baby. That's what's important. It is what's important. He came out three weeks early at seven pounds, seven ounces. Oh, and wow. 20 inches already. And I was like, okay, you didn't need any more time in there. <laughs> so, but yeah, when... When I was done with that and I went to my first follow-up, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'd like to get back down the rest of the way. And she's like, you can't do this diet and breastfeed. You need to be eating healthy fats. You need to be eating some dairy. You need to be, you know, I was like, okay. So I had started seeing a dietitian while I was pregnant and she wanted me to go to a 1,200 calorie a day diet while I was breastfeeding. And then my OB said, no, you can't do that either because that's apparently very unhealthy. And I was like, okay. So I've actually been, since I can't do IP right now because just the joy of COVID, I'm sorry, I'm not going into anyone's (laughs) office right now. (laughs) I've been doing everything virtual. So I'm instead doing uh, my own at-home version of Weight Watchers to keep everything in balance, which is why I have not ballooned back up to 280 pounds. That's great. That's Um, awesome. Now, how old is your son? He's two and a half as of two days from now. So you've kept your weight off for a couple of years then. That's great. That's awesome. My husband, on the other hand, has not lost his baby weight. (laughs) 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 Not from a lack of trying on his part, but he has not lost his baby weight. Well, and you know, that's, that's amazing, Mel, because, you know, a lot of times I always say as females, it's it's really hard because you have to put on this weight for pregnancy and then you have the baby and then you have extra weight. And it's just, you know, with each pregnancy, sometimes it can get harder and harder to lose weight. So that's huge that you've been able to keep your weight off because a lot of people, once they have that weight from pregnancy, just never get it back off again. But it, it sounds like you're really, really determined and that's great. Oh, yeah. I want the second kid. <laughs> That's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 32 in October, which is by no means old, as Dr. Hudson will point out, because I used to complain, I'm getting old because I was almost 30. <laughs> 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 and, 
But 32 is by no means old, but there's a history of birth defects in my family after the age of 30. My, one of my brothers, ha- uh, my brother has autism. I had some fun things going on internally when I was born. And Dr. Hudson's well familiar with the fact that I have, you know, an ovary that likes to hide behind everything else. <laughs> so that kind of thing. It's like, well, I'd like to be done having kids by the time I'm 36-ish. We'll see how that goes. And we were, like I said, we were planning on calling Dr. Hudson pre all this fun quarantine stuff. I haven't left my house since March. So that's all right. That's all right. We'll get to that. I know. And uh, given that we were planning on more kids and given how well it worked out with, you know, keeping the weight off and carrying the term that way, it was like, hmm. It's just easier to keep the weight off. It's just easier to keep it off rather than do this yo-yoing thing. The yo-yoing thing is not healthy. So how do you deal with your your vices or your your weak spots or whether it is, you know, for example, for me, I have a sweet tooth the size of my head. And and when I get stressed, and I notice this in the office, and I don't know if if you ladies have the same thing, but my office is a magnet for sweets and delicious home baked everything, and um, and we call it the Fertility Center Fifteen. When someone first starts working here, <laughs> they they gain weight because our break room is just. Uh, a death trap of delicious. Um, and and so like I notice when I get stressed, I will go eat more often because I don't smoke and I'm not drinking during the day and I don't do any of the other vices. Don't gamble, we know too. Yeah, I don't gamble. <laughs> I don't um, dance on tables, nor do I watch people who do. Um, but how how do you... How do you deal with those weak spots where for those of us who love to eat and who have sweet tooths in particular or um, greasy or salty or whatever cravings, how do you get through those moments? So that's the whole thing with now me being on Weight Watchers is you have, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but you have a weekly allotment of points. You have your daily and you have your weekly. And I save my weekly for that kind of stuff. Like the, "Mm, this is going to be one of them weeks. (laughs) And I very much do portion control. So like if I know nuts are really, really expensive point-wise, like they've got all kinds of fun, healthy fats in them, but they are expensive Mm point-wise. Yeah. So I will set out my thing of nuts that I have worked into my points for the week. And if I feel stressed, instead of going and grabbing a piece of chocolate, I will either grab a nut or I will grab a piece of gum or I will refill my coffee or I will be chugging water. <laughs> so it's it's been a lot of substituting healthier options for that. But oh no, I have a sweet tooth and Dr. Hudson can tell you I bake. She does <laughs> bake. bake. She bakes well. <laughs> You mentioned yeah. portion control, and I think that's something. Some sometimes patients say, "Well, gosh, I'm eating all this good food. I can't understand why I'm gaining weight." Tell tell people that don't understand kind of how that works. Tell them tell them how important that is. So, it's yeah, you're eating good food, but how much of it are you eating? Like again, with Weight Watchers, as their zero point thing. So, chicken breast is a zero point thing, and great chicken breast is super healthy. You know what's not healthy? Eating four chicken breasts in a sitting. Nobody needs to do that. <laughs> Ever. 
if if you can if you can look down and you have eaten like a pound of chicken, why? And why don't you feel sick? And things like, okay, yes, lettuce, lettuce is good. Eat your lettuce, but you don't need to eat a pound of lettuce. If you, if, the way I look at it, I mean, I know the zero point things are supposed to be, it's zero no matter how much of it you eat. I look at it as, okay, my coffee creamer that I use, because I've definitely switched back to caffeinated coffee because <laughs> I have a toddler who wakes up at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> And I look at it, if my coffee creamer is technically a zero point thing, because it's only like 15 calories and no sugar. If I drink enough of my coffee creamer that I would tick over to a point, that's too much coffee creamer. Yeah. It's the same it's as balance. anything else. It's yeah, having balance. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's sort of one of those you need to eat sensibly about it. You don't need to eat three cups of rice. I have seen people do that. And I look at them and go, Why? Where are you putting it? Why do you feel like you need to eat that much? I think restaurants too kind of distort our view of what portions are. Mm -hmm. You know, they say that basically like for proteins, if you look at the palm of your hand and make a circle, that's about a normal portion size. Well, if you get something that's that small, sometimes you look at it and you're like, I'm not getting any food here, you know? And I mean, in reality, you just paid $17 for a plate of something, right? you know? Yeah. What, one of the and, things that I recommend to my patients when they go out to eat, because I see a lot of, a lot of fertility patients are, you know, they, they go out to eat a lot and, you know, it's just part of their busy lives. I'm like, you go to a restaurant, you take whatever they give you, you cut it in half, put that half away at the beginning mm -hmm. of the meal. You get your take home yep. container then, because if it's sitting on your plate, we're social so eaters. You keep picking at it. Yeah. You keep picking on it, it and you're going to eat and it's like, oh no, it's all gone. Whereas if it's away, when you clean your plate, you're like, oh, I guess I'm done. And I think so much of us, you know, we, we've had a, almost a generational change. You know, we went from that, like, clean your plate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when it was clean your plate, the plates were small. Mm-hmm. You know, the good old days of the blue plate special, that was a small blue plate. That was not a Chili's plate. <laughs> well, and I think that the bread too that you get at restaurants, it tastes delicious because it's soaked in butter and slathered in butter. And, you know, in the South, we have like restaurants that have great biscuits with lots of butter. That in its in and of itself, if you eat one piece of bread like that a day, you're probably going to gain a pound in a week because that piece of bread can be, you know, anywhere from 150 to two, 300 calories, depending on how much butter and how much stuff you put on it. So just doing that alone can sabotage your whole diet if you eat too much bread. And it's not just that. One of the big things I noticed and one of the big things that changed once I started IP because I had these regulated meal times because I'm I'm a breakfast skipper because I eat breakfast at 5.30 in the morning. It's not happening. And with me having regulated meal times, it meant that I sat down at my table, I did not have my phone out. I did not have the TV on. I did not have anything there except for my dinner companion, which at the time was my husband. I had served myself what I was going to eat. When it was gone, it was done. No seconds. Yeah, that's and great. That's a great idea. That's one of the things I got. I have a friend who's another baker and she is somehow incredibly slender. And she said, yes, I eat what I bake. But what I do is I don't do this little nitpicking because 
if you pick at something like your Miss Carrie over there's uh 15 pound break uh-huh. room thing. Yeah. If you're if you're picking at it and picking at it and picking at it, you end up or if picking you graze, more. I guess is another way to mm-hmm. say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just you eat Which is so what much I do. More. Yeah. Yeah, you end up eating more than if you had just taken mm-hmm. a serving of it. So rather than doing the, oh, well, I'm just going to grab one chip. And then you walk by and you're like, oh, I'll just have another chip. And then before you know it, you've eaten an entire bowl of chips. Mm -hmm. And you go, hmm. And you kind of don't realize that you've done it. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of the, I pull it out. I pull out my little food scale. I put my bowl on my food scale. I put my food in my bowl. And then the thing goes back in the pantry. Yeah. Or back in the refrigerator. So like the, what is it? The FDA says, or either my plate or something like that says, you're supposed to eat like six ounces of protein a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if I split mine between two meals, then I have my three ounces at lunch and I have my three ounces at dinner. And when that's gone or when it's weighed out, I put what's left in the fridge and it keeps me from going back in there and getting more. Mm-hmm. And when I'm done cooking dinner, I serve what I'm going to be eating to me and my husband and my son. And then I put everything else in Tupperware and put it away because it's so much more effort mentally to go open a fridge and get more than if mm-hmm. it's just sitting on the stove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes and I think sense. That's kind of the thing for it is making it, it's not physically more challenging to go do. It's just sort of that little mental hurdle you give yourself. Cause like Dr. Hudson said, if you put it in a takeout box right away, well, now you've got to open the takeout box and mentally that's sort of a hurdle. When you're eating at a, when you're eating out of a takeout box while you're at the restaurant, it's weird. It, it, it adds another hurdle that you don't need to go past. (laughs) So Melissa, to kind of wrap things up, if you were to give a couple of words of advice to a woman who's starting her fertility journey and she has some issues with weight, what, what would you advise her? I'd probably tell her that while she might not necessarily need to lose the weight because everyone is different. I mean, I had a friend who I've told you about her before where she was also trying to get pregnant. She did successfully get pregnant and carried a term, but she ended up having a C-section and preeclampsia and all kinds of fun stuff because she was well overweight by the time she delivered. And yes, you can get pregnant at a higher BMI. You can carry a term at a higher BMI, but that is a lot more risk than you need to put either yourself or your child at. And I'd really rather people not end up like me. I'd really rather people not end up at the other end of a miscarriage looking back going, what could I have done differently? Because the what ifs of that are just awful. That's not something you ever wanna be asking yourself is what could I have done differently? And if all it had cost me before was knowing that and a little bit of time to actually get my weight under control and to take control of that to give my daughter a better chance, I would have taken it. No question. So that's the best (sighs) I can give. Sorry for the heavy ender there. (laughs) 
those are those are beautiful words and that's exactly why you were the first person I thought of when when we wanted to bring bring some light on this subject and I, I I thank you from the bottom of my heart for not only trusting me with your journey but thank you for coming here today and and sharing your story because I know it's a story that 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 touches a lot of women out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm more than happy to. Like I look at my little boy every day and I'm just so thrilled that I have him. Even with the oh why are you waking up at 5:30 in the morning? <laughs> even with the he found the bag of prunes and ate the entire thing. Oh even no. With, <laughs> even with the why is there a peanut butter sandwich under my couch? Every time I look I may not always like what he does, but I definitely always love him. And I am wonderful. I'm so glad that even though it was a hard conversation and a hard journey, that I'm on this side of it now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, great. thank you for being here. Thank you to our audience for listening and be sure to tune in next week for more. Um, also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We love to hear your ideas and opinions. You can also visit us on fertilitydocsuncensored.com to schedule an appointment with any of us or to submit specific questions about fertility. All the questions will be answered on the podcast anonymously, so don't hold back. The more embarrassing, the better. All right, we'll talk to you all soon. Come back next week. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.